Welcome to The Experience. I'm LaFern Cusack here on ESPN LA. Thank you so much for joining me. For more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com and go to the Experience page. Check out more podcasts or check me out on Twitter. Well, this past week, emergency management has been on my mind, planning and making sure we're set. So I had to call my friend, Mr. Ken Kondo, and have him in uh, to talk all about emergency management. Uh, Ken Kondo, he's Emergency Program Manager and PIO of the County of Los Angeles Chief Executive Office and Office of Emergency Management. Also, Margaret Vinci, Earthquake Programs Manager for the California Institute of Technology and Jake Heflin, Public Information Officer, Firefighter, Paramedic for the City of Long Beach. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Lafern, for inviting us to be here to talk about emergency and disaster preparedness. Now, tell us, Ken, what, what you do as PIO for the county. Well, what we want to do as public information officers is we provide information to the media and we provide information to the public and elected officials during um, and after a disaster that takes place. And Margaret, tell us what you do for Caltech. For So at Caltech, what we do, of course, during when we have an earthquake is to be able to, we monitor that earthquake, the earthquake patterns, being able to tell people what is happening with that earthquake. But prior to that, we also do education and outreach. So being able to educate the the community as to what earthquakes are, working with all of our emergency managers, as well as all of our lifelines and our media to have them understand what's happening with earthquakes so they can build their infrastructure and mitigate losses. And Jake, tell us what you do for the City of Long Beach Fire Department. Well, in addition to being a firefighter and a paramedic, I'm also the public information officer for the fire department. And I also manage a CERT program, which is our community emergency response team, which is a sanctioned program under FEMA that's that's a national that really teaches communities to prepare themselves and their families. And uh, you you have seven jobs, man. You part Jamaican, you know, like me. <laughs> I, certainly, certainly uh, it is uh, other duties as assigned uh, as it relates to my job. Oh, my goodness. But, but definitely a lot of responsibilities. But I think really more importantly, it's about getting the message out. And as a public information officer, that's why we're here today to really talk about the importance of preparedness, why this is so essential for communities at large. Uh, her, certainly Hurricane Harvey is at the forefront of everyone's mind right now. And, and certainly our thoughts and prayers go out to those families that are impacted by that. And, and we've done a lot uh, of work out there to not only provide assistance, not only as a city, but also as, as, a, as a community here. Absolutely. And I know, speaking with Ken for all these years, the amount of work that you guys do to make sure that the city is prepared, can you talk about some of that work that, you know, you can plan and plan and plan, but how is it implemented, Ken? Well, uh, Lafern, one of the things that we do is uh, we have a program called the Los Angeles County's Preparathon, and it's a partnership with uh, the County of Los Angeles Chief Executive Office, the Office of Emergency Management, the Los Angeles County's Operational Area Cities, Unincorporated Areas, Schools, and Special Districts, and also the Federal Emergency Management Agency under the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. And it's a program that is year-long here in Los Angeles County, uh, where we just say, you know, it we all need to take action to be prepared. And I was just looking at the Los Angeles Times sports section this morning, and it says, USC not scared, it's prepared. Yes. So when you talk about sports and sports athletes, they take that preparation time, they do that analysis, they do all the assessments to get ready for the game or the big game that they want, the championship, NBA championship, World Series, Super Bowl, 
And the Super Bowl for us is when we have that disaster and we know what we need to do. Also, our first responders and emergency managers, you know, we've, we're, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to those people out there and, uh, for Hurricane Harvey in uh, Louisiana, uh, Texas, as, as well as the other states, Tennessee, Kentucky, and uh, our friends in Arkansas. And September is National Preparedness Month, and you guys are doing a lot with that. And it's also in partnership with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, uh, Federal Emergency Management, FEMA. Margaret, tell us more about that and how we are using all we can, all of our resources to make sure our community is prepared. Well, what we do is, of course, we do this all year long. It's not just one month or two months out of the year. We do it all year long. (laughs) Oh, yes. uh, Of trying to get people to be prepared for any kind of disaster. And of course, uh, at Caltech, what we work with is earthquakes. That is our biggest hazard here in in California. So we have fires. We are multi-hazard. We have fires. We have floods. We have earthquakes. We have landslides. But earthquakes are cause the most damage because they, they encompass the biggest area when we have them. We don't have them as often, but they encompass the biggest area and they create the most damage. So annually, we have 77% of the damage in earthquakes is in California. California, so we are first at risk in the United States for earthquakes. So what we do, of course, ahead of time is trying to let people know what that hazard is. So being able to share information of, let's say, what's going to happen with a 7.8 earthquake. So with a 7.8 earthquake, we're looking at 1,600 ignitions of fires. Uh, we're looking at uh, uh, 230,000 people being displaced for long periods of time. We're looking at all of our, we're looking at 1,800 deaths with that earthquake. We're looking at roads being down. We're looking at eight counties of Southern California that will be affected by that. Water is key, uh, that all of our water uh, pipes will be broken. They're over 100 years old, and so that they will be broken. So it's trying to spread this information to the community and to our businesses as to what they need to be prepared for. And so this is, goes with all the other hazards as well. Understanding what the risk is, being able to prepare for that risk, no matter where you live in the world, there's a risk of some kind. It doesn't it isn't isolated to certain right. areas. It's knowing what that risk is, being prepared for that risk. And if you are prepared, then you have peace of mind. You know when that happens, how you're going to respond. And then it's all about recovery. If you are prepared for that disaster, your recovery is a lot faster. Yeah, I heard a lot of people talking about how they're scared and maybe they want to move at certain, you know, within certain areas, move away from the earthquake, move away from the hurricane. But again, being prepared can take some of that fear away. Way. Jake, can you talk about the CERT program and what's coming up September 16th to help with that? Well, certainly as part of Preparathon, which is this effort that uh, FEMA takes out nationally, here in Los Angeles County, there are multiple events that are going on. And specifically in Long Beach on September 16th at Cal State Long Beach, uh, we are hosting Ready Long Beach. And this is, uh, this is our fourth annual event. And this event really is intended to give the information to those members in the community that want to take actions to prepare, whether it's equipment or supplies or resources, whatever that is, it's about the education. And Ready Long Beach is, is designed to give that information in an easily digestible format. But in addition, it's also designed to educate people from the standpoint of how you pull water out of your water heater or how do you purify what? Yeah, actually, mm-hmm. how you purify water. Eight drops of bleach per gallon of water. Uh, how much water you need during a disaster. At least FEMA says at least a gallon of water per person per day. That's two quarts for consumption and two quarts for, two quarts for hygiene. Uh, so we're, we're talking about all these types of things at Ready Long Beach. And when, it, when we want to 
have people experience that. We want to have them understand the importance of that. So we're excited about it uh, taking place at Cal State Long Beach, specifically on college campuses when we have a tra- uh, basically a transient population of students that come in and come out of campus. When they typically go to school, they're not, they don't typically bring a prepared package with them. Right. And so it's important that they understand that even in the college dormitories or, or at school, they have to have those go kits and they have to be ready for that. And so we're excited about uh, Ray Long Beach. We certainly want to invite everyone to come and participate in that. And it should be a great event on September 16th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Cal State Long Beach at Beach Circle off of Atherton. So we're excited and hopefully we get some of our listeners to attend. Yes. And where can we find out more information? Please visit us at readylongbeach.org. And can tell us about the emergency survival guide. Well, you know, Los Angeles County's uh, emergency survival guide is like the fill in the blank disaster plan. So Right now, what's going on in Los Angeles County with our Los Angeles County Preparathon and the National Preparedness Month is that we want people to start planning. And part of that planning is uh, in the uh, Emergency Survival Guide where you can fill in the blanks of your contacts, your medical doctor, you know, basic things that sometimes you may forget during a disaster. Uh, Another thing that's in the Emergency Survival Guide is we have all the different hazards and threats that could impact Los Angeles County. Uh, where Jake is in Long Beach, possible earthquake tsunami. Uh, you have also wildfires, which is what we're experiencing right now yes. in Burbank and uh, City of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we also have information about debris and mud flows. So after those fires are uh, put out, the potential now is there's no vegetation on the hillsides. And then if we have a pop-up thunderstorm, which is what we're experiencing this week with all the excessive heat yes. and the unstable uh, air, and we're starting to get pop-up thunderstorms, in 20 minutes uh, it'll be inch to two inches of rain and the hillsides can't hold up. And then we have debris and mud flow incidents. And then we really have another disaster on our hands. I know. You know what? So I was co- coming home from work Friday or no, I'm sorry, Thursday, that's when the storm came down. And for some reason, I was like, okay, I'm not going to take Laurel Canyon. Um, if I go to the 101, the traffic probably be horrible. So I went up um, uh, uh, Nichols Canyon, and there was so much water coming down. I was like, oh, my gosh, there could be a mudslide. It was so much rain. And I was like, why did I choose to go through the canyon? Can you talk about mudslides, Jake? Well, I, I think it, to Ken's point, we, we talk about debris management and, and debris containment. These are things that we see every single winter season consistently. And so from, from that point, when we talk about uh, the impact uh, on the vegetation and why this is such a big deal, I mean, to Ken's point, it's, it's, it's very important that people understand that, that, that they're not out of the woods when the fire is over. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's part of this recovery process. And so we, we look at this very seriously and we can anticipate and forecast based on history. History has a very unique yeah. uh, part in emergency management because typically history repeats itself. And so as emergency management, as planners, it's important that we take that into consideration when we start looking at areas that are traditionally impacted, where we have high 
high periods of growth or, or dry vegetation, these are areas that we are, have increased risk for fires. And certainly when we have increased risk for fires, we, that's where we take a lot of these mitigation efforts to minimize those potential impacts. And that's whether that's making sure you have a clearance as far as a defensible space between your house and vegetation. These are all important things that whether or not you live in, an, in a wildland urban interface area or whether or not you live down at the beach, you need to make sure that you're prepared for a potential storm surge. We even have the hurricanes potentially down in Mexico that impact us here in California. Even though we're not directly impacted by the weather as it relates to rain, we still have surge as it relates to the waves. A lot, a lot of that. Um, Margaret, you Mm -hmm. talked about the infrastructure that is... A hundred years old. Mm-hmm. There was a story I was coming in um, this morning, and the story was the infrastructure in New York is falling apart, and people are getting stuck in in trains and um, on the metro and everything because of the infrastructure is pa- impacted. How can we go about making sure that we are prepared? I don't understand how we can do that when the infrastructure may not even be there, you know? Well, I think all of the cities and and the counties are looking at the infrastructure. They know the age of the infrastructure. They're doing what they can to beef up that infrastructure all the time. And But there is a lot still that can, that needs to be done. After the Northridge earthquake, Caltrans spent $16 billion retrofitting bridges and overpasses. So in an earthquake, many of those look to be okay. But there's hundreds of thousands of bridges and overpasses owned by cities and counties that are not going to fare well. So those roads will be blocked in the event of an earthquake. And it doesn't have to be the 7.8. It could be another 6.7 in your neighborhood. We have over 300 known earthquake faults. We have 30 earthquakes a day on average. Most are ones and twos and you don't feel them. I so, feel them. I, so. I'm standing in my living room like tell my husband, oh, did you just feel that? And he goes, what, an earthquake? And I was like, yeah, didn't you feel that? He's like, no, I didn't. And then, but it's it's like, it's just there. You're, you know, people are like, oh, I can't believe you live in California. But I'm like, you get prepared and you do what you can and you can't try to control everything. No, but we, now the city of Los Angeles is doing a lot of work. They're really spearheading uh, the the uh, a program to retrofit old buildings mm-hmm. within Los Angeles. So identifying those old buildings that are built between the ni- before 1970s when the building codes were increased. And so they're doing a lot of work to, to uh, retrofit those old buildings throughout Los Angeles City. Uh, San Francisco is also doing that. Uh, Long Beach is also starting to mm-hmm. do that. And Santa Monica is doing that. So there is a lot of attention being driven to increasing our infrastructure, but that's going to take time. Mm-hmm. That isn't done overnight. At Caltech, uh, with our partners at UC Berkeley, University of Washington, and the United States Geological Survey, uh, we are working on earthquake early warning. Uh, it isn't public ready yet, but to be able to send uh, a few seconds of warning so that people can get into that safe place. When is it going to be ready? Uh, we're looking at 2018 for a limited rollout. What is that limited rollout? We're not sure sure yet, but it all depends on the mechanisms that are built. So it will be for public alert as well as as triggering automated operations. So being able to trigger elevators so they go to the next floor and people aren't stuck inside. Mm. Uh, Surgeons don't operate. Uh, Trains slow down so that they don't derail. Being able to uh, slow down the flow of caustic materials, uh, prevent and mitigate uh, secondary losses after an earthquake. For automated operations, uh, those we can do some of those now. It all depends on the mechanism. How is the mechanism going to get the alert to the public, and that still needs to be built, and that will be done by private industry. Wow. So the time to get it to be public alert will be when those mechanisms are built. You know, looking at Houston and what happened in Houston this past week, I I think our public 
buildings, our public structures, our football stadiums, they're going to play a major part in an emergency here in Los Angeles. Uh, would you guys agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the uh, sports stadiums, the convention centers are, are going to play a major role if we do have a catastrophic uh, disaster in Los Angeles County. And that's why we have the partnerships that we're developing with the National Preparedness Month and with the um, Los Angeles County's Preparathon program is if we can start addressing preparedness now and kind of educating and training residents, businesses, whole communities what they what we're going to do as government when those disasters hit they will know where to go for the shelters mm -hmm. they will know what to bring they will know how to take care of their pets their seniors persons with disabilities it won't be in a panic it'll be they'll know exactly what to do it's like uh, like i said a sports athlete they're training all year long Olympic athletes are training all year long so that when they get to the Olympics or they get to that big sporting championship event, that they're ready and that they are prepared and that they will do the best to see if they can win that championship or if they can win that Olympic gold medal. Yeah, and it's more is it more like a muscle memory, Jake, to get that in your system? Well, I, absolutely. I, here's an interesting thought. Think, think back when you were in elementary school. And what, what did you do? I mean, obviously, you were there in elementary school. The fire alarm goes off, and you go, ah, yes, we get out of class, and we get – but you exited the building in an orderly fashion. You lined up, and they did roll, and, and everyone was checked in, and everyone was there and accounted for. But yet, when we get out of high school and we get into college, and we start forgetting that. And so we don't have these plans. We don't typically practice these plans that are essential to our safety. And when we start looking at this, everyone can tell me about how to put a seatbelt on on the airplane and these are where the exit rows are and, and this is how you inflate your vest if it, the, the pull handles don't work because we hear it over and over and over again. And so the, the point is, is we got to keep that messaging out there mm -hmm. and keep people uh, informed and educated on this because these plans are essential, not only for the community, but for the individual families. For instance, where's a safe meeting place outside your house if you were to have a fire? And do you talk to your children about that? And do your children know what, what does a smoke alarm sound like? Right? So what, what, when that activates, what happens? What are they supposed to do? If you don't have these conversations, that's where we have chaos. And that's where we have people getting killed because they just don't know what to do when that happens, that event happens. That muscle memory is essential. Mm -hmm. And the only way you learn that muscle memory is to practice it. Talk about it. Have those conversations around the kitchen table with the family. Make sure everyone knows who that out-of-state contact is, why that's so important, to make sure you, you're calling Auntie Diane in Washington to make sure that all those phone calls are going to her mm -hmm. because you might only have one chance to make that call or send that text message. So send it to that out-of-state contact so they can be the clearinghouse to make sure everyone's okay. These are important things that we need to educate the community about because it's, it comes down to the personal level of preparedness as it relates to the whole county. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you? Can you I, I totally agree. And this is why we created ShakeOut. And so ShakeOut Drill was created in 2008, uh, specifically to do exactly what Jake is saying, to be able to have an opportunity for people to practice drop, cover, hold on. If they practice that, then their body will intuitively do it when the ground starts to shake before they even have a chance to think about it. So this is why we created ShakeOut. So at least once a year, people will stop what they're doing. So this year it is on October the 19th. So at 1019 on 1019 to have everybody stop where they are Think about what they would do if the earth started to shake at that time. We're not going to shake California, <laughs> but we want people in their minds to stop where they are. 
if if the ground was shaking to actually then practice that drop cover hold on. It isn't just thinking about, oh, I'm going to go under that table. It's actually getting down and doing it so your body has that muscle memory. And then you can do that within a half a second or a second if you know where you're going to go. Otherwise, your body will tend to flight. Yes. And then it will do the wrong thing. It will get into that doorway. Do not get into a doorway. Or it will run outside. And we do not want people doing either of those things. If you run outside, things are coming off of that building and you're going to get hit by those things coming off of that building. So to use ShakeOut as an opportunity to think about where you are. If you're in the grocery store, where are you going to go? You're going to get underneath that basket. If you're at Costco, you're going to get into the big bins where they have the merchandise. Hopefully you're in the toilet paper section uh, and, <laughs> right. and you'll get hit by that. But Or the liquor section. Or the liquor. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay, that's, that's good to have. So you want to be able to think about where you are. If if your car is out in the parking lot and it's damaged, do you have supplies in that car that you good shoes that you can now walk through yes. walk home through the debris and you have strong shoes in that car and you have you have a kit in your car. Knowing that you need to have water, one gallon per person per day for at least seven to ten days, if not three to four weeks or longer. That and you need to have at least uh, the water for at least that period of time because you can live without food, you cannot live without water. After three days of no water, you're not here anymore. And so water is key to have in your emergency kits and in your car and at work. So have supplies at work, at home, and at play. And Ken, you also have a lot of events coming up. Okay, we have the September 16th in Long Beach and then September 17th in Pasadena. Yes, uh, we'll be at the uh, city of South Pasadena's police and fire open house. And now we have an emergency preparedness fair that we've been doing for the last three years. And uh, joining me will be Margaret Vincy that day from uh, Caltech to talk about earthquake science, earthquake preparedness, and the early earthquake warning system. But all these things that uh, Jake and, uh, and Margaret are talking about mm-hmm. is the common themes that is part of the Los Angeles County's Preparathon. You know, first, make a plan today. I'm going to say, make your plan today. Yep. Also have a communication plan. How are you going to communicate with your loved ones? Because we're going to be separated. We'll be at work. They'll be at school. Oh, yeah. uh, and how are you going to reunite? You know, if you get separated, how are you going to connect with family members that, as Jake said, have an out-of-state contact? Um, The second thing we want you to do is start making your emergency kits now. You're going to need one for work. You're going to need one at home, and you're going to need one if you go, if you go, yeah, do any type of physical activity that's away from your home. Um, The other thing is, too, what's your evacuation routes? You know, you were talking about going through the canyon and saying, why did I go through the canyon when it's starting to have thunderstorms and debris and mud flows are starting? Yes. So, it was you know, a lot. It, I was scared. And I think really about it. You need three, at least three routes. Your primary route may be blocked. So always make sure that you have a secondary route and a third. But, you know, not everyone does. Mm-hmm. You know, if you live in on Mulholland Drive or in the there's one way in and one way out. Or even um, PCH. Like, what do you do in that situation, Jay? Well, I, I think that lends itself to getting the message early, right? And if you're anticipating these things, if, if, if before they put the mandatory evacuation orders, take action. Are you going to stay or shelter in place or are you going to move and, and ev- evacuate the area? And I think these are part of this messaging. Mm-hmm. Understand that messaging process. No, many cities have their own alert networks. 
Uh, whether it's in Long Beach, it's called Alert Long Beach. Uh, but there are different networks, whether it's Nixle or some of these other third-party applications, that uh, uh, provide warning systems. And certainly you want to make sure if you're living in a community, know what your alert uh, warning system is for your community. We have IPAWS, uh, which is a national program. But oh, these are I things. Said, I was like, IPAWS, what? Uh, well, these, <laughs> these, are, these are different. Noti- these are ways that we notify the community in times of disaster. Make sure you understand where that messaging is going to go. Uh, how you're going to receive it, whether or not you're getting it via text or whether or not you're getting it via phone, cell phone or, or at mm-hmm. your home lines. Uh, again, we've had a very major shift with technology because everyone relies on their cell phone now. Yes. But I'm going to tell you right now, cell phones and towers are going to be overwhelmed. And and oftentimes we look at this, cell phone batteries only last for so long. And so we, we tap people that rely on power and without the cell phones, and they don't even remember phone numbers anymore. I know. So when you start thinking about how you're going to contact people, right, without the cell phones, people are, are have, have a hard time communicating. That's, I think, why Ken's point is so important. Make sure you have that communication plan, not loaded on your cell phone per se, but you have an actual tangible copy of what that is, and everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. So it's really about – it's about – preparing, right? Mm-hmm. Here's an interesting statistic. FEMA says, and there's been a lot of reports on this, for every dollar we spend in preparedness, we save anywhere from 7 to $10 in response and recovery. I mean, that's significant when you start thinking about yes. it and the overall scheme of, 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 of what we live, the world we live in. So it's important that we take this action now, not after the event. And, and certainly we have a, a very uh, in-tuned audience right now because of Hurricane Harvey. But this needs to last throughout the year, not just after events happen and everyone says, oh, I really should make that plan. I really should make that kit. It's not then, it's now. You know, I, one thing I tell people all the time in all the different classes and the cert classes I teach, if you can do one thing right now to make you more prepared today than you were before you listened to this radio show, it's this. And think about this. I want you to take that old pair of shoes that you have, right, that you just can't get rid of for whatever reason. I want you to grab a plastic bag. And I want you to put those shoes in a flashlight in that plastic bag, I and I want you to tie it to your bedpost. Because when that earthquake starts happening, right, and you roll off to your bed, drop, cover, and hold, right, what do you think the number one type of injuries that we deal with are cut feet from broken yes. glass? Because people step out and walk on the glass. But now as you're sitting there right next to your bed, you've got those old pair of shoes and that flashlight right tied to your bedpost. You put those shoes on, grab that flashlight, and you go to work and make a difference for your family. Now you're part of the solution and not the problem. And these are things that we need to communicate to our members in our cities to say, make a difference today. Because as first responders, we will be overwhelmed. We will rely on neighborhoods taking care of each other. And Hurricane Harvey showcases this very well. It's community members supporting each other when disaster strikes that makes a difference. Oh, my gosh. I just got chills. When I first moved here, a friend of mine, Susan, she was in the Northquake or Northridge earthquake Mm -hmm. and she said that she didn't have her shoes and I remember that she was like make sure you have your shoes by your bed because everything was in shambles and people couldn't walk around like you were saying cutting up their feet and stuff and so that was one thing that I I remembered and I always have my I have my motorcycle boots right by my bed you know and I made sure I told my husband and it's it's imperative to do that. But it's not just by the bed. It's tied to the underside of the bed because in an that, earthquake, those shoes are going to end up across the room. And now you're sitting in bed <laughs> and you're looking at that those shoes on the other side of a, a floor of glass and you can't get to them. So you want to make sure you tie them to the underside of the bed. 
And you were talking about the power, power generators as well. Power generators are, are something that uh, a lot of people don't think of. But when the power goes out, if we have that catastrophic earthquake, we're going to have power outages. Even with the excessive heat that we are experiencing right now in mm-hmm. Los Angeles County, uh, we've had power outages. Yep. And, you know, one thing that we always tell people is that, you know, always be ready and have a backup power supply, especially with persons that are relying on really medical equipment, dialysis machines, breathing apparatus machines. Uh, they require power. And you know, Southern California Edison has a medical baseline program that you can register for. So if you know of a family member that is is a person with disabilities, access functional needs, definitely get in touch with Southern California Edison and their medical baseline program. So if a power outage takes place in your community, at least they know where you are and they can have you as a priority mm-hmm. if in the event of that power outage. You know, the the other things that are themes that we talk about during National Preparedness Month and the Los Angeles County's Preparathon program is to get connected. And being connected is what Jake was talking about. Social media, websites, uh, text messaging. Uh, you listen to ESPN LA 710 AM because as public information officers, we're going to provide that emergency public information to the media. The media is our partner, and the residents and businesses and whole communities are going to watch and listen, and they're going to monitor social media, and that's where all that information is going to be available. And we'll coordinate it through what we call one-voice messaging. So we get all the different public information officers from different federal, state, county of Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. city of Long Beach, if something happens in Long Beach. And we have this unified one-voice messaging of emergency public information to get to the public, the media, and the elected officials. That is very important. Margaret? Uh, Yeah, one of the things I wanted to add is we're talking about communities helping one another. And in any disaster, your first responder is going to be the person next to you. And so that there are resources uh, available to people. CERT is one of those, so that everybody should be CERT trained. That is community emergency response training that teaches you first aid, uh, teaches you how to uh, fire suppression, teaches you search and rescue, being able to lift heavy objects off of people so that you have these skills and basic first aid. Another program that we have is Map Your Neighborhood. Oh. Map Your Neighborhood is a program that was actually created by the state of Washington um, to to be able to give nine steps to a neighborhood to work together after a disaster. So it highlights that you take 18 to 20 households because you want to get to each household be, uh, before the first hour. So there is a golden hour after any disaster if anybody is hurt uh, that you want to get to them before the first hour. So you take 18 to 20 households in a neighborhood and you prepare together. And so the Map Your Neighborhood is a nine-step program that you can do within 90 minutes and get your neighbors together. There's a CD that goes through it, walks oh, really? you walks you through the, the program. You can go to Google and put in Map Your Neighborhood. It'll take you to YouTube, and there's a YouTube CD that will then show people how to prepare their neighborhoods. And at the end of that 90 minutes, they have a plan. They have picked a, a uh, um 
a site to go to, the gathering spot after that earthquake. They then will check, first of all, they check their own household uh, for leaking gas. They also turn off the water to their house, not to the street, but to the house. Because what you want to do is preserve all the good water that is coming, that is still in your house. If there are broken pipes, then that wastewater comes into your house. And so you want to preserve that good water. So you turn off the water to the house, not to the street. You check for leaking gas. You check for injuries within your own household. You then go to your gathering spot within that neighborhood, which could be next door. You've already identified that. All the neighbors meet together. Then they go out in teams and they check all their households for leaking gas, for injuries, for animals, uh, and they bring everybody to that gathering spot. And then they work together. If somebody isn't home and they're stuck at work, then they will check your house for you. And if you have animals, then they will make sure that those animals get fed. So if you're stuck at work for three or four days and can't get home, then you know that some Somebody in that neighborhood is taking care of your house and your pets or anybody that's elderly or has access and functional needs. And they will bring those people to their gathering spot. So it's called Map Your Neighborhood and everybody can work together. And is that what you learn in CERT as well? Well, well the CERT program is, is an amazing program. It's anywhere from 22 to 25 hours, depending upon what agency is doing. But there's basically the the core curriculum is, is, is sanctioned and, and established by FEMA. It's pushed out to the individual communities uh, and, and delivered by the local jurisdictions. And, and in Long Beach, it's the Long Beach Fire Department delivers a CERT program. Uh, we've typically trained anywhere from well, roughly around 5,000 people in CERT since the inception of the program in the early 1990s. In the last basically two years, we've trained over 500 individuals in CERT. And I can tell you that uh, as it relates to CERT, disasters know no boundaries. Right? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what race, religion you are. It's the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to get past this mindset that, that it's not going to happen to me. It, it, it happens. It happens to all of us. Yes. And it's, 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 it's historically one of these things that we in Long Beach take very seriously because it happened in 1933. The Long Beach earthquake was catastrophic. It actually changed building codes uh, with how we deal with unreinforced masonry. Uh, around the United States. And so we have pre-33 construction and post-33 construction, and that has to do with your 1933 earthquake in Long Beach. So when we start looking at these types of things to educate the community members, and in Long Beach we typically have this this, this statistic that we use. We have roughly around 116 firefighters on duty every day in the city of Long Beach, half a million people, 50 square miles. That's roughly, just a guest estimate, one firefighter for every 5,000 residents. There is no way we're going to be able to respond to the needs of the community in a disaster. And so when we start taking a look at that statistic, that is very telling on the importance that having people take these actions to educate themselves and their families as it relates to programs like CERT to go out and learn these valuable skills will be essential to the resiliency of our community. And community resiliency is critical to how a community bounces back in the case of an event or a disaster scenario. And so uh, the CERT program for us is a vital link to that. And we've activated the CERT program in many instances, not necessarily dealing with the disaster with an earthquake, but even our power outage. Our power outage in Long Beach a couple years ago was a very challenging situation for us because it put people in in a position where they were were so reliant on power. But let me use this as an example. To Ken's point, we have this understanding that we have power all the time, but but let's do it at at high-rise living, seniors, senior living facilities. These individuals were stuck on the 10th or 11th or 12th stories and not able to get out, not able to move. And for three days, we were dealing without power. So when you start thinking about sanitation and having generators, right, those generators power or that power powers the pumps to pump water up into those toilets. 
Now, just think about this. If you don't have power, now you start having toilets start not able to flush, right? Not able to actually have water come back. Now you're starting to have a sanitation crisis, right? So when we start looking at some of these things, these are things we don't even consider. And in no. Long Beach, that was that was crippling for us for about three 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 days. We were dealing with that. We had people stuck in elevators. Oh these God. are all things that we we weren't dealing with fires. We weren't dealing with building collapses. We were dealing with a loss of power, and we were struggling through that. Now I will say that we were able to bounce back. Edison really engaged and, and, and really made a concerted effort to really focus to Ken's point on some of these areas that were were impacted and that really needed additional support and assistance. But it was our CERT volunteers that were able to come and assist residents up and down those stairs that we were able to release the fire department to go back and do the things that they needed to do, right? That's the power of a community coming mm-hmm. together and rallying around each other. So I can't tell you how proud I am of my CERT volunteers, the difference they make in the community, and I encourage everyone listening to this show today to get involved, make a difference, and volunteer. Get out there to be a part of the solution, right? Join your community emergency response team. Get this training education. Map Your Neighborhood is a great resource, but make sure we need to get back to the basics. Mm -hmm. Getting back to the basics is get to know your neighbor. You know, we've gotten a society where we don't even know the person to our left or the person to our right. And the only time we see them is when we take the trash cans out. Yes. Right? That That's not good for us as a community. We need to get back to knowing the skill sets of our neighbors, whether they're nurses or physicians or an electricians, right? All those resources, all those occupations that we have at our disposal in our community make our community stronger. But if we don't have the conversations now during that disaster... We're not going to have them yeah. because people are going to have to. They're going to. They're going to become very enclosed and, and protecting their own. Right. We need to really change that perception. We need to be out there supporting each other. And that's what uh, Margaret and Jake are talking about, which is the the final theme of our Los Angeles County Preparathon and National Preparedness Month is get involved. You know, if you can take a first aid class, if you can take CPR class, CERT training, we do all these uh, in- events during. The Los Angeles County Preparathon all year long. And if you can get involved, as you can see at Hurricane Harvey, where you saw neighbors helping neighbors, mm-hmm. you, I mean, there was a tweet that went out from uh, Harris County saying, if you have a boat, we need your boat. Yeah. And there are people from California, from Arizona that were driving to get to Houston, Texas to get their boat in the uh, river waters and the flood waters, and they were able to rescue people. And that's what it's about, getting involved. Mm-hmm. Because you know that if you're prepared, your family and your loved ones, they're being taken care of. You have that peace of mind, like what Margaret was talking about. Then you're able to help others. And you see that kind of effort taking place with uh, Hurricane Harvey right now. And that's what Jake says, community. In Los Angeles County, we have a five-step plan, and, and part of that plan talks about if you're not used to hosting a meeting, it tells you how to be a facilitator to host that meeting in your community and how to get your community prepared using those five steps. Yeah, and, and that is exactly what we need. We need strong leaders out there that will you know, take, take charge, take lead, host a meeting, get everyone in, if you're in an apartment building or wherever, your own community, and again, be accountable for you and your your own area. And it helps get involved with your community organizations that do that as well. Um, that will help, I think, ease some of the burdens because some of the community organizations already have a lot of things set and can help 
our community as well. Right, Margaret? Mm-hmm. That's correct. And and this also goes for businesses. It's very important that all of our businesses have a plan. Many of our businesses are small businesses, and they don't have the time to maybe put together that plan. They're 24-7. But our small businesses account for 67% of the economy of a community. Those businesses don't survive a disaster there goes the community. So it's very important that our businesses have a plan for any kind of disaster. And so there are programs, business continuity programs, uh, that they can, they can learn from that help them to create this plan. One of them, this is called Quake Smart. They have a toolkit that's online that walks them through creating a, a uh, emergency plan uh, for their business. Uh, there's also a conference. We have a group called BICEP, which is Business and Industry Council for Emergency Preparedness and Planning. And if you can pronounce that all the time, <laughs> you can be on the board. Um, <laughs> but we are having our second annual conference on uh, September the 12th, which is going to be at the Sportsman's Lodge uh, out in the Valley. And this this will teach businesses how to have a plan. What happened during the Northridge earthquake to businesses? What do they need to be prepared for? And so there will be people that will be talking about what they need to actually do and how they do that. And so there are these resources available that our community people can attend. Go to bicep.org to register for the upcoming second annual emergency management conference. Another program that's good for homeowners is called Brace and Bolt. This is a uh, provided by our California Earthquake Authority. And this is a program that will provide up to $3,000 of funding to retrofit your house. So in an earthquake, let's say the Napa earthquake, a thousand houses fell off their foundation. So when you have shaking, your house goes in one direction, the foundation goes in the other. So what you want to make sure is that your house is bolted to that foundation if you are on a slab. If you have a cripple wall, a crawl space underneath, you need to reinforce that cripple wall. And so that way when your house shakes, it stays together. And so that is where you get your major damage from an earthquake is that infrastructure of your house, not necessarily the plaster and the walls and the roof, but that infrastructure. So there is this program, Brace and Bolt. And so if you qualify, you can go to their website at earthquakebracebolt.com and you can sign up. And when they are offering the funding, they have to wait till they get the money. But when they offer that funding, then they will let you know that it's available. They have designated certain zip codes throughout California that have the houses that they're looking for. It needs to be prior to 19, built prior to 1970. It uh, doesn't have a basement, but has a crawl space underneath. Those are the ones that are best uh, identified oh, as needing that brace and bolt. Right. But they can go to brace, earthquakebracebolt.com. This is ESPN LA 710. I'm Laferne Cusack speaking with Ken Kondo, Emergency Program Manager and PIO of the County of Los Angeles Chief Executive Office, Office of Emergency Management. Margaret Vincent Earthquake Programs Manager for California Institute of Technology, firefighter, paramedic, CERT of Jake Heflin from the City of Long Beach Fire Department, and also PIO and part Jamaican. And uh, <laughs> I can say that I'm, I'm Jamaican, so yes, you are part Jamaican. Um, no, but the information that you guys are sharing are is so empowering, and I think it's it, 
we have to move beyond, just like you said, Jake, we have to move beyond, you know, being on our phones. We have to take action ourselves to be the leader um, within our community so we can survive, so we can initiate the things that need to go down if an emergency happens. Jake, can you talk about some of the things that you see firsthand as a firefighter or in your own community that maybe can serve as an example of how not to do something? Well, I think really what I will say is I want to reinforce the positive. So that's for me, it's really important that we understand this. For instance, use this as an example. CPR saves lives, right? Every day we offer their CPR classes being taught. There's first aid classes being taught. And if I can teach somebody how to do CPR, there's a potential that they're going to be able to be called into action to Mm -hmm. save somebody's life sitting at a restaurant, right? So the point is is that if you can take that step and just commit – the six to eight hours to learn CPR, there's a significant di- chance you're going to make a difference in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've used a program, and many agencies have used this program called Pulse Point. And Pulse Point's now a program that goes out and basically will notify citizen superheroes that are within a quarter mile radius of somebody that's experienced sudden cardiac arrest. And will utilize the technology on your mobile, your smartphone, uh, to guide you into that location on where they've actually gone down and, and are in, in full arrest. Wow. They need CPR. And it's going to take us anywhere from three to six minutes to get there mm-hmm. once you call 911. The chance for survival is in that first 60 seconds, right? That's where we need to get somebody doing compressions to save that life. So if we can mobilize our community to be part of that solution, activating through programs like Pulse Point, and please, in, in the city of Long Beach, city of Los Angeles, county of Los Angeles, utilize Pulse Point as a resource to mobilize our community members to support in times of, of a situation like sudden cardiac arrest. That response from a, a community member, a citizen, doing CPR is vital to the potential mm-hmm. for survivability of that event. So that's what I say when we talk about these types of things that people can do right now to make a difference. It doesn't have to be that catastrophic earthquake. It can be somebody's worst day when they have chest pain Mm -hmm. and go down unconscious in full arrest, right? But these are things that we rely on each other. We have to take care of each other. And I think that's really what resonates to me as a firefighter because I'm extremely proud when I look and show up to somebody that's in in full arrest and I see bystanders doing CPR because I know the chance for survival is significally increased, that they know where the the closest automatic external defibrillator is, right? And Pulse Point, actually, we have a a self-registry program within Pulse Point that will actually show where the closest AED is that somebody's actually put in place in their business or their or their, their community center. These are things that are important. But people don't know about it. So as public information officers, it's our responsibility to get that message out, to get that message out to the community. And that's why this radio show is so important to us uh, so we can share this information so people realize, oh, I didn't, I didn't even know that existed. I, but, I but, didn't. That's right. But that's why we're here. And that's why I we're know. so thankful. To Ken's point, the media plays a pivotal role, role in getting us access to share this information. Because it's, it's really about knowledge. It is. And if you don't know, you, you know, that's the whole thing. It's our responsibility to teach. And, Jake, I, I want to thank you for pointing out you want to stick to the positive. You hear so much negative, negative, ne- negative going on. And a lot of people make a point of saying, oh, well, here's the negative things that are happening. Okay, well, what can we do to change that? And that's what, that's what I love about the show. That's what I want to stick to. What can we do as a community to move beyond that point of blame and shame and also move into the point of, of action? So 
I thank you guys so much for being here. Ken, you have something going on Saturday, uh, October 7th. So I, I know you guys have a lot going on. So we have the September 16th in Long Beach, emergency preparedness in Long Beach. And we have the September 17th event. Um, and then also October 7th. October 7th, we're really excited about uh, the Crenshaw everybody. Community Disaster Preparedness Expo 2017. And it's going to be at the West Angeles uh, Church there in um, Los Angeles. And we encourage everyone to come. Please come. One thing that Jake and Margaret have been talking about, all these trainings, all these events, they're all free. They don't cost anything. And you can get resources, materials, Anything you need to get prepared for that emergency or disaster. And it could be like what Jake talked about, power outage. Mm -hmm. It could be a power outage. I mean, it could be that maybe something in your house, the plumbing system, maybe the pipes broke. And you have your own disaster where you have your own flood and you have your own uh, problems and issues. And if you have a plan and you're prepared for that, then you can recover from that quicker and then you can move on to your regular part of life. But the Crenshaw Community Disaster Preparedness Expo 2017, Saturday, October 7th, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., please come down. Please, please come down. Because one of the areas we're always concerned about is our unincorporated areas in Los Angeles County. That's one of the areas. And we want to make sure that they're prepared, and we want to make sure that they're trained. And that's what the Los Angeles County Preparathon program does is that we allow not only its trainings with CERT trainings, its uh, disaster preparedness seminars, its workshops, uh, its full-scale functional exercises working with oil and petroleum companies with the U.S. Coast Guard, Mm -hmm. uh, the state of California, the county of Los Angeles, the cities like Long Beach, for example, could be impacted by an oil spill. We do that as part of our Los Angeles County Preparathon, you know, as part of our program. And then we start looking at terrorism. We start thinking about uh, weapons of mass destructions. And, you know, we approach disaster preparedness here in Los Angeles County on all hazards, all risk approach. So that's why we want people to have a plan. We want them to make their emergency kits now. We want them to get connected. ESPN LA 710 AM will be one of our sources of emergency public information. Please listen. And also... uh, Read online as well. And then get connected. Take that CERT training. Get that 20 hours of that Federal Emergency Management Agency training because you can help first responders, your community, and neighbors to get through that crisis, that tough time that the disaster or emergency will cause. Margaret, can you tell us if, like Jake was talking about the the text or an app. I'm sorry, I forgot the name of it. That, that is going to tell us. Early warning. Yeah, the early. Uh-huh. Thank you. The early warning system. Um, is there an app? There's, no, well? there's not an app yet. That's much further down the road. Uh, we don't have the technology for that yet. Uh, right now, you get messages, uh, uh, different types of messages, but those are sent in batches. With an earthquake, everybody has to get that alert at the same time. With millions of people getting alert on their on their cell phones, the system will crash. Oh, and so the cell phone, the the infrastructure is not built for that at this time. We are working with the telco companies to resolve that issue, uh, but it's going to take a few months for them to do that, and then we're back to how. 
often do people buy a new cell phone. So people buy a new cell phone every two to three years, they're not going to have that software on their cell phone. So once it's available, then people have to then get that cell phone to have that availability on that cell phone to be able to do an app. Uh, So we are working on that now. But that's a little bit further down the road to be able to utilize an app for that purpose. Um, You also talked about mechanisms. Mm -hmm. When can you describe that a little bit more? Um, You know, we have mechanisms in sports to, you know, achieve a goal. And I I think every institution has mechanisms of how they control their workload and all of that. Can you talk a little bit more about the mechanisms that you guys are implementing? or For early warning? Mm-hmm. One of those will be, of course, in stadiums. That's going to be huge. You have thousands of people in a stadium. One thing you don't want them to do is to start running outside, and that creates another issue. That's a secondary problem if people all start evacuating a stadium at one time. So part of earthquake early warning is the education of what is early warning. How, what information are you receiving, and how are you going to respond to that information? properly. So educating people is a huge component to our early warning, and we are working on that. We have a a joint committee of education and outreach that is working on what the message is going to be, what we're going to tell people so they will respond properly to that earthquake. So in a stadium, what is going to be that mechanism? Most likely their PA system. And that mechanism we already have to be able to send that alert through a PA system. Also utilizing that in schools. Uh, So through their PA system, to get children to drop cover and hold on. So a PA system is kind of the low-hanging fruit to be able to use that where people have that. We already have that mechanism uh, has been built to be able to do that. Uh, part of what we're working on now is what is the message. It needs to be a consistent message. So everybody is getting the same sound. Everybody's getting the same message. So whether you're in the grocery store or you're at work, you're getting that same message. So that we are working on right now for that consistency to be able to do that. But so one of the main mechanisms will be through a PA system. And just like Jake said, it goes back down to the basic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you take everything away and, you know, you have the PA system. That's, you know, basic technology. Um, our phones aren't going to be working. Phones won't be working uh, in an earthquake. And so, like Jake said, there's only limited, there's only a two-hour battery on those cell towers. And so if the cell towers are still working, which they probably won't be, in the La Habra earthquake that we had in 2012, uh, cell phones were out. The media was all at Caltech screwing around using our landlines because all of their cell phones were out. And so cell phones you will not be able to count on in an earthquake. You need to have that backup system. And so what is the most reliable system in an earthquake? Is not walkie-talkies, but ham radio. Oh, Ham radio is the most reliable source of communication. Satellite, but that's expensive and you have to have line of sight. But ham radio. So there again, if you have that information written, Written down, and you can find a ham radio operator, and this is part of your preparedness. Know where the closest ham radio operator is in your neighborhood, so you can then go to that person, and they can send a message, something that is called the National Information System, and they can then send a notice to your emergency contact out of the area that they're okay, and everybody in your family communicates through that one emergency contact. All you have to do is send one message, find a ham radio, they can relay that information to your emergency contact, but you have to have their phone number, you have to have their address, so you want to make sure you write that down. I keep that inside the cover of my cell phone, and I write it down, and it's on a piece of paper inside the cover. Jake, I wanted to talk about 
you know the elevator because it's still going on my mind. If you're stuck in an elevator, what what can we do? <laughs> Well, it really, I mean, that's the goal. Hopefully the cell phones are working because that typically is a way that we notify uh, mm-hmm. or that we get notified by people that are stuck in elevators that they're, that they're stuck and need, need help. I, I think that, that lends itself to the plan, though, mm-hmm. right? And certainly as, as when we look at high-rise buildings or other buildings where people potentially could be stuck in elevators, there needs to be a checklist that those elevators are being checked yes. to verify that people are not in there by the building owner, the property manager, whoever that is. And that's part of the plan, right? So it's really important to test, train, and exercise that plan. And that's a big – I mean, I just was at a, a senior living facility the other day, and we were having this conversation, and, and, and the residents – uh, we're very concerned about some of these things. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I think it's important that uh, as we look at, at these high-rises, these, these these senior living facilities, these residential living facilities, uh, it, the same thing to the point would map your neighborhood. It may yeah. not be a ne- necessarily a block, but it might be a floor on a, on a high-rise building. And so when we start looking at these types of things, we need to have that plan. We need to develop that plan. When everyone evacuates, where are they going to go? Where are they, gonna, where are they basically going to check in? Who's got a list of all the residences? Who's... Who's limited mobility? Who's non-ambulatory? Because somebody needs to check on those those apartments. And these are those things that if we don't practice, we don't talk about it, or we don't even engage on it, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of problems. And that's something we certainly saw just with the power outage. But I also want to want to talk about this thing because I think Ken mentioned something really important. Uh, we are in an area, specifically in Los Angeles County, that is is very susceptible to natural disasters. But in addition, we also are in an area that's susceptible to terrorist actions. And we need to be cognizant of that. And I want to encourage everyone listening today, very importantly, maintain situational awareness. Be cognizant of your surroundings all the time. And it's important because whether or not it's a disaster scenario, uh, for instance, you're going on a vacation uh, and you're staying in a hotel, know where your exits are, right? They're they're posted on that back of that door in in your hotel room. Read it. Look at it. Know where the stairwells are. And when you open that door in your hotel room, I want you to make sure you're counting the number of doors to that exit stairwell. Because if that smoke is banked down in that hallway and you're crawling, you've got to be counting those doors to get to that stairwell. So when you start thinking about some of these things from a perspective of even if you're traveling or on vacation, be aware. Mm-hmm. Be aware. If you're sitting at a movie theater, where are you going to go? If something happens, where are you going to exit? These are things that I want people to be cognizant of because, for instance, when we start talking about active shooters, locked doors save lives. Over and over again, we've heard that message. But I need people to understand that it's not just when disaster strikes. It's these different scenarios that potentially happen all around us. And we're seeing, unfortunately, a a huge increase with these types of violent acts. So we collectively as a community need to be looking out for these things and we need to be reporting these things if you see something that's out of place say something notify the authorities because that is how we protect we protect everyone mm-hmm. right so I, I don't want to be a downer about that but it needs to be stated mm-hmm. these are important things that it's reality it is a reality of today's life and and i and we have to be cognizant of that and you know uh, when you talk about vacation, I was on vacation on a Disney cruise in Alaska, and a glacier uh, collapsed. Really? And it was because of an earthquake. A 5.6 earthquake had hit, and the glacier collapses. And we're in this uh, inlet area trying to get to that glacier, and I get a warning on my iPhone, and it said 
earthquake, 5.6 up there in Alaska, and it's right near this glacier. And I go, that's where we're heading towards. Oh, no. And so I'm in the dining room. And so all of a sudden, the, these uh, people are like, well, what's going on? What's going on? Because it gives you this buzzing noise. And the captain comes down and he asked me, are, is something, you know, what's going on? And I told him, well, according to uh, the Tsunami Warning Center, which is up in Palmer, Alaska, where we're up in that area, said a 5.6 just hit, earthquake, and the glacier collapsed, and there's a tsunami coming through oh, the inlet. Oh, goodness. And... We were able to tell the, I was able to tell the captain that, and he was able to steer the ship around and get out of that inlet. Wow. But we felt that, you know, throughout the whole time, um, the inlet, we felt the waves, and it was really rocking. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine if we went all the way into that inlet, which is one way in, one way out, and then that tsunami wave's coming at at mm -hmm. your Disney cruise boat. Wow. You know, so luckily Mickey Mouse, Stitch, uh, <laughs> Captain Hook, everyone was so happy for me. Oh, you know, when yeah. I was walking through the hallway, they're like, you know, taking pictures with me and all this. <laughs> oh, how cool. But the thing is, it's just like what Jake is talking about. Know your situational awareness. Here I am on vacation and something hits and it could have an impact where, you know, people can get hurt. The boat could capsize. We never know Yes. how big this tsunami would have been. But that's what happens. And that's why you got to be prepared. And for me, I had a plan. I said, OK, all right. So if something happens, where are we going to meet? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so I told my wife and my daughter, I said, this is where we're going to meet. Uh, and our friends that were on the cruise with us. Again, it's all part of preparedness. Yeah. And as I say, the time is now to prepare. You know, I'm very proud and happy that National Preparedness Month is being recognized by the president of the United States, Donald Trump, the governor of the state of California, uh, Jerry Brown. And, our, you know, I don't have to worry about it with Los Angeles County because our county board of supervisors, they are into disaster preparedness. Supervisor Mark Willie Thomas, uh, Supervisor uh, Catherine Barger, she likes to tweet out, you know, the fire in Latuna. Oh, yes. She's tweeting out information about where the evacuation centers are located. I saw that. I mean, that's what, you know, when you have your elected officials that are prepared mm -hmm. and that they preach preparedness to their constituents, their residents, their businesses, their whole community. That kind of hopefully everyone out there, please wake up, prepare now, get ready, get that plan like Jake is talking about, get connected, and, you know, and get involved and then also make that emergency kit. Those are so important because we don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow. And I know the people that are uh, listening right now are probably going to church or going to work. You know, this is the time to start preparing and thinking. And I really thank the Houses of Worship here in Los Angeles County. They're part of our Pledge to Prepare campaign. That's great. And we've now we've now put it as part of the Los Angeles County Preparathon program. So it's it's everybody because when that disaster hits, we're all in it together. Ken, where can we find out more information and get this emergency survival guide? Oh, uh, the County of Los Angeles uh, website. It's at lacounty.gov slash emergency. You'll get the emergency survival guide there. You'll also get the list of our cooling centers. And you'll also get information about debris and mud flows, how to be prepared. It's that one-stop shop web page for emergency and disaster preparedness in Los Angeles County. And Margaret, uh, if you could leave our listeners with anything and information. I think the biggest message I would want to leave to everybody is empower yourself. Be empowered. Take today to empower yourself to be self-sufficient. If it's only doing one thing, just one thing, putting those shoes, tying those shoes to the underside of the bed, having enough water, having a communication plan, talking to your family about where you're, where you're going to drop cover and hold on, where are your safe places, where are your supplies, how to use them to do something. I want to empower everybody to be self-sufficient. 
And Jake? Well, I, I think certainly it's it's make sure you talk to your family. Make sure you have that plan. Make sure you talk to your kids. Uh, I'm going to also say we, we've made a concerted effort to not only take this information that we're talking about today uh, in English, but we've also talked about doing this outreach in, in different languages, specifically Spanish. In Long Beach, it's also Kamai. Uh, because these are, these, are, these are segments of the community that need to be represented in this discussion. right? Like I told you, disasters are the great equalizer. So we, we've done some teen cert classes in addition with, with dealing with our, our younger uh, kids. And so it starts at the home, and it starts having those conversations and start starting to develop those plans. Make a difference. Get involved. Join CERT. Take a class. It's a free class. I mean, you can't, you can't beat it. Yeah. Uh, and these are things that will really make a difference. And in the CERT program, we have a saying. It's doing the greatest good for the greatest number of people in the shortest amount of time. And the only way we can do that is by working together to do the best for our community. Yeah, and all those weekend warriors out there, all those athletes, all those people that have that those strong leadership skills, they can do that. And I know the CERT program is great for athletes as well. And, you know, use your skills to help our community. Same with our veterans. I mean, they oh, bring yes. a vital skill set uh, to our communities. And so we really encourage our veterans to get engaged as well because our, your, our community needs them. Thank you. I thank you all. Thank you so much for sharing the information and help sa- saving lives here in Los Angeles County and beyond. Jake Heflin, Margaret Vinci, and Ken Kondo. Thank you guys so much. Thank, Thank you, Laferne. Appreciate the time. I'm Laferne Cusack. This is ESPN LA 710. For more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com and go to the experience page or check me out on Twitter at Laferne Cusack.